This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back for another week, the Minor League Baseball Podcast, the show before the show from MILB.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome in. I'm Tyler Mon, uh, your resident anti-Pokemon Go person, apparently, and uh, Sam Dykstra is in New York City. Hi, Sam. Hello. Did you really get read an email? I don't know. Or? Well, we had, there were, there was like a comment or two. I actually didn't even know this, but Josh uh, Josh Jackson pointed it out to me that um, somebody was not pleased with the way that I had referred to Pokemon Go. I don't know anything against Pokemon Go. I think it's cool that people are getting out and about and walking. I just don't get it. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, I'm 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 old that way, I guess. But uh, no, I I'm here to make peace with all the Pokemon Go fans and Good. as well to bring you all the latest and greatest in the world of minor league baseball. And so is Sam. What's going on in, uh, in the world of the, the headquarters today, Sam? Oh, uh, a lot. Apparently we, this, I think this is the first time we've ever sat down to. Yeah. Some well, breaking maybe, news. Maybe not the first time. Yeah. It's one of the few times we've sat down and something pressing is broken while we've, uh, while we've been talking to yeah. each other. So this is kind of exciting. Let's just start with that. Let's get uh, get rolling on three strikes today. Before we do, you can get in touch with the podcast, podcast at MILB.com. You can also head over to iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and a review and a subscription there. Tell us all of your uh, questions, thoughts, comments, concerns. And you can tweet at us as well. Sam's at Sam Dykstra, MILB, and I am at Tyler Mon. And we do kick off the show today, three strikes, with a little bit of breaking news, which doesn't really apply in podcast form because who knows when you're going to hear this. But we did just get the word that the Seattle Mariners and the Chicago Cubs have agreed to a trade. The trade deadline is coming up in just a little bit over a week and a half now. Uh, the Cubs and Mariners have come to a deal today that sends left-handed relief pitcher Mike Montgomery to the Chicago Cubs at the Major League level in exchange for the now, as it appears, formerly 20th-ranked prospect in the Cubs system, that is first baseman slash, more likely, designated hitter Dan Vogelbach. Uh, Vogelbach was taken with the 68th overall pick in the 2011 draft in the second round. And uh, Dan Vogelbach, very, very good offensive prospect. Defensively, he has always been a question mark. Now he lands what really felt pretty inevitable for a time uh, at an American League club. Your thoughts on this deal, Sam? That's a it opens up a lot of doors now for Dan Vogelbach. Yeah, I mean, you always want to break down who's a winner, who's a loser in these deals, and I, I think it was John Paul Morosi who said there might be more players involved. So, you know, check the site; we'll have a full story on it as as things develop. But uh, for Vogelbach, I think he's the big winner here. Um, just going to an American League club, a place that's going to give him a chance to DH every day. Uh, we were t- talking a little bit off air that. Him and Kyle Schwarber are kind of similar players in that they would be great for an AL club um, and that, you know, they could just be DH anytime and just mash all the time. Uh, so Vogelback, no longer blocked by Anthony Rizzo in Chicago, uh, will now have a little bit more of a clearer path in, in Seattle. I know Adam Lind has not exactly been uh, God's gift to the first base position there, the Mariners. Um, so Vogelback, maybe a chance to play first base up with the major league club, maybe 
more likely, like you said, a, a chance to be a DH, but just to run through his numbers this year. Uh, this was a breakout year for him playing in the Pacific Coast League. So, you know, it is the Pacific Coast League, a little more hitter-friendly, but it is the highest level of the minors, um, and th these are not numbers he had put up anywhere else. So he hit, at the time of the trade, uh, 318, 425, 548. That's a 972 OPS that ranks second in the PCL. Uh, 16 homers, two triples, 18 doubles, and 64 RBIs in 89 games for the I Cubs. Uh, so this is a guy who is, you know, could just mash his way uh, through, you know, like I said, the, the top level of the minors. And now he's going to get his chance. Uh, we'll see how the Mariners use him. Uh, you know, are they going to move him up? But at the end of this year, I would kind of hope so. Uh, he is, I believe, yeah, he is on the 40-man roster, so it would be a relatively easy move to put him in the majors, see what he can do there for the Mariners. Um, but, yeah, I, right now it's an exciting move uh, for Dan Volaback, and we'll, we'll see what happens to the, to the rest of the trade. The thing that I'm excited about if I'm a Mariners fan is – you're not getting a guy who appears to have artificially inflated himself at AAA either. I mean, you kind of take PCL numbers oftentimes with a, a bit of a grain of salt. That's not really the case in Iowa at all. You're not getting a guy who played in, in Vegas or in Albuquerque or in Reno or in El Paso or some of these very, very offensively geared ballparks. Uh, Des Moines, Principal Park, the home of the I-Cubs, plays pretty fairly. Now he's going to be moving over to Cheney Stadium uh, in Tacoma, which is maybe the most pitcher-friendly ballpark in that league. I don't expect that's going to affect uh, Dan Vogelbach as much uh, as it might other players. But the other interesting portion of this is that he's really one of the very last top prospects in that system from the pre-Epstein era um, in the Cubs last five years ago uh, that now that Theo Epstein was hired five years ago, he took over that position and Dan Vogelbach was taken in the draft uh, four months before that hire was made. So now it's, you know, that system, it's kind of like when a college football coach takes over and you say, yeah, give him a few years. He's got to get his guys in. Now that system is Theo Epstein's system. I mean, it has been for quite some time, but we know what the player development side has done in Chicago. This is really kind of the last piece of that prior era that's now been sent away. So this all adds up, I think pretty well for, uh, for all, all sides involved as the deal looks right now but like sam said uh there could be more coming in this trade and we'll we'll keep you updated on all of it at milb.com as well and uh we wish all the best to dan vogelbach who has been terrorizing pcl pitching this year and uh just as a brief note before we get into strike two we're going to hear from somebody else a little bit later on in the show today who's been doing the same thing over the last couple of weeks the number two prospect in the colorado rocky system david Dahl, will join the show from triple a albuquerque promoted a couple of weeks ago batting a cool 5 11 through his first 12 games pretty good uh so david Dahl will join the show and we'll talk a little bit more pcl coming up there uh strike two there was a big deal that went down last week uh in major league baseball and minor league baseball as anderson espinoza the boston red sox top pitching prospect was shipped away to the san diego padres now the interesting thing about this deal when aj preller took over as gm of the padres he basically went against everything that he had carved out his career doing and just made a bunch of giant splashes at the major league level. When AJ Preller was with the Rangers, it was all about the international signings that he made, the amateur people he was able to find on that market, and the way he built up the system uh, in the Rangers ranks into being one of the deepest and best minor league systems in baseball. Then he goes to San Diego and just says, now nah, let's trade away all these prospects and get a lot of guys at the major league level. Now it seems like the Padres are going back to the route of trying to acquire and develop talent, which is what Preller had done ex exceedingly well in his career. Espinosa 
Those are the latest guy to come over to that system. And again, the Red Sox and Padres partnering up on a deal as they did uh, with the big, obviously the huge trade that landed them so much talent in exchange for Craig Kimbrell. Uh, but what are some of your initial thoughts on this deal? Obviously, the Padres land a good one. Drew Pomeranz goes the other way to Boston and adds a piece there for the, the Red Sox in a playoff push. Yeah, so the the first thing was kind of just shock. I mean, you thought the Red Sox had four untouchable prospects. Yohan Mankata, Andrew Benintendi, uh, Anderson Espinosa, and Rafael Devers. And I would rank them in that way. I, I would have thought Mankata definitely isn't going. Benintendi isn't, certainly isn't going. Uh, Espinosa, maybe third of that group. And Devers might be the one who they would be willing to let go of. Um, but indeed, it's Espinosa going the other way. If you're kind of a casual fan, you might actually uh, not be as shocked by this because it's a major league ready pitcher. I mean, uh, well, in Drew Pomeranz, obviously, a guy at the major league level who has really succeeded this year at 2.47 ERA and 102 innings for the Padres. And the Red Sox get him for an 18 year old at Class A. So on the surface, it's, it's, you know, a guy who can help right now for their playoff push for a lottery ticket. But what we know is that Espinoza is one of the best right-handed pitching prospects in the game right now. Uh, yes, he is several levels away. Yes, he's still very young. Uh, but, you know, throws very effortlessly, can bring tons of velocity, um, has a good breaking ball, a good change. You know, he pitches well beyond his years. He's MLB.com's number 34 overall prospect. Uh, has some decent control. Struggled a little bit with his numbers this year. Uh, 4.38 ERA and 17 starts at Class A Greenville, uh, 1.37 whip and 72 strikeouts in 76 innings. But this is a guy who just turned 18 in March. I mean, he should be a high school senior somewhere, not pitching at a full season level. So, you know, you take all those numbers with a grain of salt. Um, but it, uh, it, it felt at first like an overpay. The more that I'm sitting here thinking about it, you know, I, I, I think it's easier to accept from the, the Red Sox point of view. Uh, they get the starting pitcher that they certainly need. Nobody's going to sit here and tell you that Drew Pomeranz is an ace by any means. He's not going to. He's probably their number three, maybe even number four starter now, uh, behind David Price. Certainly, the All Star Stephen Wright and Rick Porcello, who's having a really good year as well. But you know, it's a seller. It's a seller's market right now. There's so many teams contending in the majors that the teams who are deciding that they are going to sell like the Padres, uh, there, there are so many buyers out there. It, it's just going to drive the price right up. And that's what you get when it is a seller's market like this, you're going to get a top prospect. Well, not a top in the system, but Anderson Espinosa is certainly now the top prospect in the Padres system. Uh, that's what it's going to cost to get pitching right now and controllable pitching and drew Pomeranz will be controllable for a few more years for the Red Sox. So, you know, this is the price they had to pay right now. I don't think Dave Dombrowski really lost any sleep over it. Um, you know, we'll give it four or five years. We'll see what happens to Espinosa. But if Drew Pomeranz pitches well for the Red Sox going into the ALDS, the ALCS, potentially World Series, I don't think anybody's going to uh, get too worried about this deal. So it's, it's one that works out for both sides. And uh, now we'll see where the, the chips fall. You know, what's interesting, too, is that it's kind of the latest move in this Dave Dombrowski era with the Red Sox that makes you sort of wonder 
what they're going to look like going forward in the way that they handle and graduate top prospects because you know i mean we saw this when dave dombrowski was with the tigers too he preferred it seemed like acquiring this major league ready or already major league proven talent rather than leaning on a farm system uh and you go from you know one big payroll team to another larger payroll team does that then affect what the makeup of the organization looks like as long as he's there where i think red sox fans over the last few years have gotten used to graduating a lot of these really good prospects as xander bogarts and the mookie Betts and all these guys who have come up how does now the dave dombrowski era play out in in regards to how much control he has over that philosophy in that organization and it's interesting you mentioned that too that red sox fans have gotten used to just graduating these prospects one thing the red sox have had extremely and an extremely difficult time of doing is developing pitching uh, you know, Espinosa was going to be that next guy, but, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, that next guy was Henry Owens. And now he's having extreme control problems in AAA. Uh, Brian Johnson was going to be that next guy, maybe coming into this year. Um, he's had some problems. Part of the, part of that is, you know, he's spent some time on the disabled list with the anxiety problems. And, you know, I'm happy to see him clearing that up. But, you know, he's no longer looking like a, a solid major league option based on what he's doing on the field. It, and, you know, the Red Sox have just had such a difficult time developing pitching that maybe this is as high, you know, a stock as Anderson Espinosa was going to have over these next few years. We'll see how he develops in, in the San Diego system, see how they handled him uh, differently than the Red Sox would have, especially with innings limits and all that. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot more analysis to be done on this deal, I think, in the years to come as opposed to just a flash in the pan compare the two sides right now and that leads us pretty well into strike three the deadline is coming up major league organizations right now are trying to figure out if they are buyers buyers or if they are sellers and sam strike three tackles that topic right now of the contending organizations that are out there of the organizations that are obviously going to be in the mix late into september and into october and playing in the in the playoffs and trying to make it to a world series who right now stands out as the ideal organization in terms of the prospects from which it can choose to deal and make something happen and try to make a big splash at the deadline. So I, I mentioned before how this is just so much of a seller's market right now. Just And now I have, now that I've looked it up again, uh, entering today, so we're recording this as always on Wednesday, entering today, only 11 of Major League Baseball's 30 clubs were more than six games out of a playoff spot. Um, so that's a lot of teams that believe right now that they could be pushing for the playoffs, aren't going to be selling, and are, means a lot more teams are potentially going to be buying. Um, some of those teams that are buying that I think really have some deep systems right now. I'm going to start again with the Red Sox. You know, we we do know Dave Dombrowski is willing to sell prospects to get help right now. He's done that before with the the Tigers and uh, and you know in his previous leadership role. He's uh, you know, been willing to to sell guys that we might be, get excited for for help right now. He did that with the Miguel Cabrera deal, I think it was. And so, as much as I want to say Moncada, Benintendi, and Devers, and Michael Kopech are off the table, uh, you know, who knows? It wouldn't surprise me if Dombrowski would would pull some major, big blockbuster deal using some of those. I I really do think Moncada is not going to be dealt. Uh, you can make it a case that he's the top overall prospect in baseball right now, and I can't imagine there's a trade out there that outside of something for Jose Fernandez, say, uh, that the Red Sox would make involving Moncada. But 
you know, we'll, we'll see. Dombrowski's surprised us before. Maybe he certainly has the pieces to surprise us again. Uh, we talked about the Cubs earlier with Vogelbach. I thought a lot of people have been bringing up, you know, Mike Montgomery's going to Chicago now. He's a left-handed reliever. Does that take them out of the market for Andrew Miller? We'll have to see. But if they do decide that they still need more bullpen help, I think that's the one place that they do need help at the major league level. Uh, they do have enough top 100 prospects to bring back somebody like Andrew Miller or Aldis Chapman from the Yankees. Uh, when, when we're talking about Gleyber Torres, Ian Happ, Eloy Jimenez, who we've talked about as a breakout star this year. Uh, other guys, you know, Billy McKinney is a top 100 prospect currently in MLB.com. His stock has t- dropped a little bit, but still, you know, highly regarded. Um, so they certainly have some pieces they can mix and move around. I think the two that are best really well set up for a a big deal, a deal that would help out their clubs is the Rangers and the Indians. Uh, Joey Gallo is a guy we've talked about since this podcast started as a guy looking ready to bust down through the majors. Uh, he's performing well again this year. He's got a 930 OPS and 16 homers for AAA Round Rock. But again, he's still blocked by Adrian Beltre, who has signed an extension. And, you know, so they're trying him out at first base, but there's Mitch Moreland there. They brought him up for a while earlier this year and didn't play him at all. So it's yeah, really unclear. Weird. Yeah. It's really unclear what the Rangers thought process is with Joey Gallo. Um, he's still, you know, a top 10 prospect in the game. So he could bring back a pretty big sized fish for the Rangers and they need pitching help. And, you know, Jonathan Lucroy is a name that gets bandied about uh, with the Rangers for help behind the plate. So is Joey Gallo a guy who can move? It's certainly possible. If they don't move him, I mean, they also have Lewis Brinson, who's another guy who, you know, might be a little bit blocked. He's at Double A right now. Uh, at, you know, as a center fielder, Luis Ortiz is a, a really young guy at Double A as well. They have plenty of pieces. And I bring up the Indians. I bring up, brought up the Indians before on this podcast as I think maybe the breakout farm system of, of this year. Uh, right now, the Tribe owns the best record in the American League at 55 and 38 entering today. Uh, they really need help in their bullpen as well. Could Would they be willing to move somebody like a Bobby Bradley, a Justice Sheffield, uh, Francisco Mejia, Tristan McKenzie? I mean, uh, the list goes on of guys who have performed well this year. Would they move one of those guys to get, say, an Andrew Miller or an Aroldis Chapman? Uh, they probably need help with left-handed pitching. The Yankees could certainly help there. If, the, if we're talking about a Miller or a Chapman, that quality of reliever, they probably have to give up Bradley Zimmer or Clint Frazier. I don't know of their willingness to do that. Those are two guys who are top 30 prospects in the game right now. Both played outfield, and the Indians need actual outfield help. So do they think Zimmer and Frazier could help out later this year or at least down the road? We'll have to see with Michael Brant- Brantley uh, being set back as well. They have the pieces to make some deals to so slowly improve their team certainly lock down that AL Central. Are they going to be willing to dip into that, uh, what is now pretty good depth at the the minor league levels, or are they going to stay put? We'll have to wait and see, but I think they're pretty well set up to do that. Another team that I think could factor into the mix here, um, especially given what happened last year at the end of their season, is the Washington Nationals, who have a a pretty decent 
um, high-end depth in their farm system. They're not going to move Lucas Giolito. They're not going to move Trey Turner. But does somebody like Reynaldo Lopez factor into a deal, a guy who made his major league debut just a couple of days ago? Um, there is some really, really good talent at the lower levels of that system, too, guys who are you know at the, the Hagerstowns and the Potomacs of the world. Um, and it seems like that's an organization that is – kind of sick and tired of things falling apart as it did last year you saw what the Mets were able to do at the end of the season and how they made that charge to the World Series I think that really fired up the Nationals front office to want to make sure that something like that does not occur this year um, and they need some help in in a couple of different spots um, outfield I think they could address uh, you know they need somebody in center field in that regard uh, kind of more of a true center fielder they don't want to run Bryce Harper out there and play him in center field and risk injury there um, I think they have the luxury if they wanted to go out and make a deal they are maybe a little bit under the radar as opposed to some of these other systems that are more flush with talent because like I said they're not going to give up those top two guys in Giolito and in Turner but I think they could play into something too because of what happened to them last year and the fact that they do have a decent core of guys that they could pick from yeah and they, Eric uh I can never say his name right. I think, I think it's, it's Fetty I think it's Fetty um I'm gonna say Eric Fetty he's another guy who's really performing well at, at high a Potomac yeah. Uh, another top 100 guy, guys. This is his first full season coming off Tommy John. So you mentioned Reynaldo Lopez, Eric Fetty, uh, Austin Voth is doing well at AAA. AJ Cole used to be a top 100 prospect, kind of petered out, but still holding down the fort at AAA Syracuse. And Wilmer Defoe. I mean, there, there's plenty of names that you go through there, and you're like, yeah, that could improve somebody's system. That could improve somebody's system uh, without having to dip into the Giolitos, the Turners, and Victor Robles. Who I think uh, every system would love to have Victor Robles right now and have him blossom in their system, but the Nationals have him first, and he's probably a no-touch guy. But otherwise, there's plenty of other things to go in there to to help the Nats in the NL East. So there's strike three for this week. Uh, we're going to go with one foul ball for this week's edition of Three Strikes as well, and uh, it's kind of a bummer one. Uh, the top pitching prospect in the Kansas City Royals system, Kyle Zimmer, will once more miss considerable time in a minor league season. He uh, undergoing thoracic outlet syndrome surgery and uh, will miss the rest of the year. That was first reported uh, just, I believe, two days ago now, um, which we're recording this on Wednesday, the 20th. Uh, Kyle Zimmer is, you know, a guy with all of the promise and all of the talent in the world. He joined the show uh, a few weeks. Well, not a few weeks back now. It was back over the offseason. But um, it's it's a bummer to see that Kyle Zimmer has not been able to stay healthy because when he's been healthy, he's been so good. This year he's pitched very, very sparingly, only three appearances uh, between AA Northwest Arkansas and Class A Advanced Wilmington. He made two of those appearances with the Blue Rocks, but combined five and two-thirds innings, he struck out 11, walked six, uh, but only gave up one earned run on four hits. Just hasn't been able to keep it together health-wise. You hope that this is a step in the right direction toward getting him there. Yeah, and he seems to think that this is uh... – this was a major breakthrough in terms of figuring out exactly what was wrong and what maybe has been wrong all these years. Uh, he wrote a note on his Twitter page. Well, wrote a note in his iPhone and then screenshot it and put it on his Twitter page. Uh, and he said, while I'm frustrated that I'm forced to miss more time and will be out for the remainder of the season, I am relieved that we finally have some clarity with regards to this diagnosis. So he comes across as a guy just incredibly frustrated trying to think, like, why is so much falling apart uh, physically? Why is this happening? And it, it sounds like he is, like you said, relieved um, that maybe this is, you know, the missing procedure that needed to happen a 
a while back, maybe, who knows. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that it means he's going to miss a, another year. Uh, we're probably not talking about him much as a prospect next year. Uh, you know, any kind of games he can get in after a surgery like this kind of feels like gravy, but um, yeah, we just hope for the best for him. And I do recommend going back and listening to that interview with anybody out there. It is a Royals fan or just episode number hear. 47, by the way, there we go. So now you know exactly where it is. Uh, it, he just sounded so hopeful in the spring. It was just like, Oh, this is all past me now. I'm so, I'm just so happy to be here yeah. pitching in, in Royals spring training camp. Um, you know, ready to just pitch, just be on a mound and be myself again. And, and now compare that to this news. It's, it's a little heartbreaking. We certainly wish all the best to Kyle Zimmer, who, um, you know, we had a, a heck of a good time getting a chance to talk to him. And uh, you never you never want to see anybody go through that kind of stuff. But it's so difficult to watch the really top level guys go through it because they're so exciting when you get to see the success that they can have. And then when those injuries come along, it's not ineffectiveness. It's not that the stuff isn't good. It's just that the body isn't cooperating. So we hope uh, that this is the last step for Kyle Zimmer toward getting healthy and really fulfilling his promise. And uh, that'll put a capper on this week's edition of three strikes coming up on the show before the show podcast. We are going to head to the triple a Pacific coast league and catch up with David Dahl, who's the second ranked prospect in the Colorado Rockies organization. David, Dahl has been just wrecking baseballs all over the place so far for the AAA Albuquerque Isotope since his call-up from the AA Hartford Yard Goats. David Dahl joins the 68th episode of the Show Before the Show podcast coming up next. Watch the stars of tomorrow today on MILB-TV. Before they made it to the show, stars like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Chris Bryant were on MILB-TV. Subscribe today to get more than 5,000 minor league games streamed live and on demand, including games from affiliates of all 30 major league clubs. Select all-star and postseason games are also included. On the go? Watch on your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch with the free MILB First Pitch app. Visit MILB.TV for details. Headed out to the AAA Pacific Coast League and the uh, home of the Albuquerque Isotopes, Albuquerque, New Mexico, is where we find Rocky Centerfield prospect and the second-ranked prospect in the Colorado organization, according to MLB Pipeline, David Dahl, who's, you know, pretty decent introduction to AAA so far. He's batting 5'11", 5'69", 10'22", is a slash line. David, first couple of weeks in AAA, hell of an introduction. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you guys? We're good, man. Thanks a ton for joining us. It's been, uh, obviously, I would imagine a whirlwind couple of weeks. Uh, You get the call up from AA Hartford to AAA Albuquerque, mixing a futures game appearance in there as well. And like I said, this introduction to AAA has been unbelievable. What have the last couple of weeks been like from your perspective? Uh, It's been really fun. Um, Just, you know, I was really excited to get the call up to come to AAA and kind of it's good to have a home park playing in front of home fans. Uh, You know, it's been great. And then Finding out I was going to the Futures game, that was a very, very crazy experience, very fun experience, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And then just coming back and trying to end the season on a positive note. 
you mentioned the the ballpark situation. Obviously, Double A Hartford. Uh, most people who listen to the podcast probably know, but some maybe don't. The Yard Goats have been waiting all season for their ballpark to be finished. There's been a a big uh, discrepancy between the city and the contractor as to how to get that done. And so the the Yard Goats have played every game away from Hartford this season. But now you kind of do get to settle into a routine that you didn't have there, uh, being home so far for all but three of your games with Albuquerque. What's that been like for you? Not only just being able to you know go back to the same place every night and sleep in the same bed, but getting to play in front of a, a passionate fan base that people in Albuquerque really get behind that team. Uh, what has that been like as a member of the Tope so far? Uh, yeah, it's been great. Um, it's awesome having a home park and just coming to the field you know, at the same time every day, getting your routine there, you know, just being able to go back and sleep in the same bed, being somewhere longer than three, four days. Uh, and then the fan base, the fan base is really great here. Just, just, uh, you know, we have a lot, big crowd every night. So it's just fun to play in, in a park like this in front of fans. You know, it's just been really fun having people rooting for you rather than against you. And just to go back to that situation in Hartford for a second, I think we're the, or you're the first guy we've talked to on the podcast about that. What was that experience like just always being on the road? I, re- I remember I think I talked to the manager there and he was saying the thing you don't think about is laundry and there's just all these other things that go into it other than mm-hmm. just not playing at a you know same ballpark every you know yeah half the time um but what what is that experience like just being on the road all the time like that in Harvard uh, you were it, Harvard. it was it was pretty tough uh you know just every three four days you're on a bus traveling somewhere else and you just really don't have time to get comfortable anywhere and you know just hitting and other people's parks a lot uh kind of that's pretty tough but yeah it is hard you gotta we had to bring our laundry to the fields if we wanted stuff washed and the club, you would wash it for us. And then, you know, and just getting your, like, family or girlfriends or something out, you know, for, you know, some people have uh, wives and kids, and just trying to get them out there is really hard because um, you just don't really know where you're going to be. And it's pretty tough places to fly into. Uh, not a lot of flights available, but I'd say that was pretty tough. Um, and then just the eating, you don't have a place to cook or anything, so you just, gotta eat out all the time and uh to go back to tyler before was talking about your triple a numbers and how easy of a transition at least it's looked on paper for you uh what has been what has made that transition at least look this easy for you i mean a lot of guys talk to talk about going from double a to triple a you're facing a little bit different pitching guys are pitching you a little differently for you you've still been able to get hits in all 12 games you've played so far with the isotopes uh, what has eased that transition for you from double A AA to triple A? I wouldn't say it's really easy, but I'm just I just feel like I'm coming to the field every day, getting my work in, trying to trying to get better, and I'm just really going out and trying to help the team win. I'm not really focusing on results or anything like that. I just go out there and try to have a, a competitive at bat and just win that at bat. And, um, just really, I'm just not thinking at all in the box. I'd say that's the biggest thing. I'm just up there, kind of clear your mind and i'm seeing it and just putting a good swing on it david how much i got a chance to talk to john shelby who's the the hitting coach of the isotopes uh, after one of your games last week and one of the comments that he made that i thought was really interesting was he said 
quote, he's not really trying to be a pull hitter or a slap hitter. He's just reacting and showing great hand-eye coordination. And one of the things that got me thinking about is a lot of the guys that you're seeing at this level are probably guys who you haven't seen before, especially playing in AA in the Eastern League. So many of the parent clubs of Eastern League teams, their AAA clubs are in the International League. They're not in the PCL. So you probably haven't seen a lot of these guys. How much of, of your success at this level and how much adjusting to a new level is being able to react and take just what you see in the moment of an at-bat versus the preparation side that maybe you're able to do when you have some more familiarity with these guys you're going up against. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's big. Uh, you know, these teams don't really know how to throw me, and I really don't know anything about them. So I just I just go up there, and I kind of just hum a song in my head before the pitch is coming, and once I get ready to hit, I'm just clear-minded, just trying to just trying to put a good swing on it. Whether he throws it away, I just take it the other way, or he throws it in, I pull it. It's just, I'm just really just, it's just not thinking at all. And for me, when I've struggled in the past, it's when you start thinking a lot in the box about what pitch might be coming or, or something like that, or you start thinking mechanics and you just you don't get ready to hit on time so you don't have enough time to actually pick up the ball. So then you're just taking bad swings. So for me, it's just it's just having a clear mind and not thinking at all in the box and just reacting to what I see and trusting my eyes and my swing. All right. Well, I feel like I have to ask the uh, obvious follow-up then. What What is the song you're that's su- what I you're was going to yourself? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, it's just like a bunch of country songs. I just kind of <laughs> change them up depending on what I'm what I'm on deck feeling, and just kind of changes. Does it Does it change with the moment? Is there a certain song you you hum? No, they're all just kind of like chill. They're just like chill country songs. It just helps me relax. How often do you change your walk-up song? Uh, well, this is the first time I've had a walk-up song all year. Oh, that's true. Place, so. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so not I'm very not, often. I'm not going to change it. <laughs> yeah. For for this year, you were already up to 88 games. That's nine more than you played last year. You know, obviously when you had the the freak uh, spleen injury. Um, but how much has it helped you this year to be on the field as much as you have? You know, you've had some injury problems in the in the past. How much does that kind of help? for you just to be back on the field, be healthy for a full season or, you know, through the first four months now. uh, Yeah, it's tough when you're hurt and just kind of just makes you realize how much you miss playing and how much you really love the game. So it's nice just being able to come to the field, take care of, you know, what I need to do to stay on the field and just got to keep doing that. But it's, it's great to just be able to go out and play and have fun. David, we talked over the offseason for a prospect Q&A story uh, that I put up on the site in January, and one of the things that you noted was getting ready for 2016. You were rooming uh, in Arizona with Trevor Story and with Ryan McMahon. Uh, McMahon has been at the AA level as well this year with Hartford. There's a lot of stuff going on with his season. He's been introduced to first base uh, a little bit this year. Obviously, the Rockies have a very talented third baseman at the major league level, so he's getting that action. And Trevor Story, all of a sudden, I mean, you guys leave Scottsdale. He is the story in Major League Baseball for the first couple of weeks um you know and and probably should have been an all-star by a lot of accounts and has had one heck of a rookie season for you guys I mean especially for you and Ryan having been with him every day over the offseason what was that like watching a guy that you spent so much time working out with hanging out with you know playing golf with all that kind of stuff all of a sudden become the guy in Major League Baseball to start this season yeah it was awesome to see that uh actually you know, Hartford, since we didn't have a home park, uh, the double-A team stayed a couple extra days in Scottsdale, so we were able to go watch Story's debut. And it was awesome seeing him. You know, he had, he had two home runs off Ranky, so that was, that was just great to see, just see how much work he, work he has put in over the last couple of years and see that transition at the big league level and what he's doing. It's just amazing. You know, one of my best friends on the team to go up and do that. It's 
awesome. Really happy for him. And we, we talk all the time still, just keeping in touch and stuff like that. So it's really exciting for him. And when you guys are talking, you know, you're talking to a guy who's in the major leagues who is getting it done at that level. What kind of advice is he passing down to you or things he's noticing about the majors, that kind of th- stuff? What kind of notes is he giving you? Uh, it's more just, you know, for me, just seeing where my feet are, just not worrying about anything, going out and playing. Uh, and then it, I just say, I'll see the home run or something. I'm like, dang, bro, you're going for 40 this year or something like that. And just we just kind of mess around back and forth. And then we just, we gotta just talk about other stuff, uh, little things. It's not always baseball. Just keeping it, keeping in touch. You know how he's doing on the field, how his girlfriend's doing, how I'm doing, how my girlfriend's doing, just stuff like that. David, when you um, you know, look at his season, his start to this year, where you are now is really similar kind of to where Trevor was this time last season. Got the call up to Albuquerque, was really successful there. And then there was a move at the major league level that opened the door uh, for him going into 2016. Um, the Rockies, obviously, there's a lot of conversation constantly surrounding, especially Carlos Gonzalez, but Charlie Blackman now, too, um, which is a guy who plays in a spot where you play. Do you think at all about what the, you know, the next couple of months could hold or what 2017 holds, or is this this all just right now about you know kind of trying to keep it where you are in Albuquerque with this really hot start. Yeah, it's something I'm really not thinking about at all. I'm just you know I'm happy to be here in AAA and just kind of just trying to do whatever I can to get better every day and whatever happens up there happens and something I can't control. So I'm just trying to be just be where my feet are and just kind of just go about my business the right way and keep trying to get better. So whenever my opportunity does come, I'm ready. All right, a couple of quick ones for you. Uh, number one, you're in Albuquerque, and you, I would assume, have a decent amount of time away from the field now as opposed to what the situation was like with the Yard Goats. So two-part question. One, are you a Breaking Bad fan? And two, have you driven around to look at everything in Albuquerque yet? Uh, yes, I'm a Breaking Bad fan. I've seen all the episodes, and no, I haven't really <laughs> done anything. I've okay. been here. I kind of well, I I sleep in, and I just go to the field, work out. A piece out, of advice. Last year, I talked to Tyler Matzik, who said when he was in Albuquerque, he and his wife did a little bit of driving around. And apparently the lady who lives in Walter White's house is not super friendly. So one day, if you guys all decide you're going to make a, a you know uh-huh. a little day trip out of it, just don't linger too long in front of Walter White's house. That's a piece of advice I got uh, from Tyler Matzik last year. But number two, one of the things that you mentioned in the in the offseason story that we did was that uh, Trevor Story and Ryan McMahon got a very good deal of fun out of making fun of you for how you play golf. Have you been able to improve on that and kind of get them to lay off of you at all? Uh no, I'm still terrible at golf. I I think I've retired. I just I'm just not good at it, so I've accepted it. That's all right. I think you're good at swinging other things. I think that's true. That That is true. You have other professional avenues to go down. Yeah. He is David Dahl. He's the Rockies' number two prospect, and right now is just smoking the baseball all over the place with the AAA Albuquerque Isotopes in the Pacific Coast League. David is on Twitter as well. You can follow him there at ddahl21 and uh, check out the continued hot start to this stint with uh, the AAA Topes and the PCL. By the way, since David joined the Isotopes, the Isotopes combined between May and June went 17-40. and 40. Since David has joined them, they've now won, I believe, 10 of 12. Uh, so it's been a very good start with David in the lineup as well. And uh, David, best of luck. Continued success in Albuquerque. We can't thank you enough for giving us uh, a little bit of time and enjoy the rest of this stint in AAA, man. Best of luck. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it.
still rolling through some of the uh, the wide range of content that our good pal Benjamin Hill got from his trip through the Appalachian League, which I have now started to make sure I pronounce correctly every single time I say it. Ben, welcome back. What's up? Hey, good to be here. And yes, the Appalachian League. I will Magic. never say Appalachian again. I, um, I'm trying to teach myself to do the same. And uh, yeah, generally I just stick with Appy. Then I know I'm not going to screw it up. Um, let's start, though, in the old Appy League. And let's start with the Princeton Rays. We talked a little bit about this last week. Uh, Princeton Rays mascot Roscoe the Rooster is kind of a local celebrity slash phenomenon and also is a mascot who speaks, which is an extreme rarity in the world of mascots. Ben's got a story up on the site right now about Roscoe the Rooster from Princeton. Uh, just tell us a little bit. We're actually going to hear from Roscoe here in a minute, but set this up for us, Ben. Tell us about Roscoe. Yeah, I show up at uh, the Princeton Rays, uh, Honeycutt Field. And, uh, you know, being a rookie-level team, Appalachian League, you know, Princeton, West Virginia, not a team I'd had you know, occasion to cover much, you know, from my remote location. And, uh, you know, quickly I learned and I'm told, you know, oh, that's Roscoe, the mascot. He talks. So I'm like, I got to go interview this mascot. And he is a talking rooster. And um, so I got a, a live video interview with him. And that's embedded in the story I wrote. And I also talked to him later in the game and just got more quotes from him. And not only is he a talking rooster, but he is a, a local wrestling champion and uh, has defeated many local wrestlers, uh, most notably the Cuban assassin. And um, there's a picture in my story of him uh, dominating the cuban assassin which is just one of the more disturbing <laughs> one of the more disturbing photos you ever see because, because, right because into the yeah, yeah his expression doesn't change and he's staring terrifying. right at the camera as he's putting this guy in his um signature uh, submission hold um so this is why i do this job so i can you know be in princeton west virginia and talk to uh, talk, a talking rooster <laughs> i cannot um, get over this picture no, it's awesome. So if we could, um, if we could uh, now hear from Roscoe himself, and this is the interview I did uh, when I was in Princeton, West Virginia, talking with uh, Roscoe the Rooster. I'm here with Roscoe Rooster, mascot for the Princeton Rays, and he looks like more or less a normal mascot right now, but there's something very unique about Roscoe is I can interview him because Roscoe can talk. How you doing, Roscoe? I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's great to be here in Princeton, West Virginia. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here too, and you know I don't get the chance to interview mascots very often because they generally don't talk. Uh, how did you end up uh, imbued with the gift of speech? Uh, I just thought one day I'm gonna be friendly and, and like welcome all the fans and start talking. And then there you go, and you just were able to start talking. Exactly. And what are the sort of things you say to the fans? Do you have any catchphrases or uh... Uh, like who are you calling chicken? You know, winging it. Thanks, like Yeah, winging it. Who you calling chicken? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fans, they they get in conversations with you all the time. Yes. And uh, what about the umpires? You ever argue with them? No. No. You're no. you're pretty diplomatic. Yeah, I, I try to be diplomatic. And I heard also you're a wrestling chicken. Is that true? That's correct. And uh, what do you, what's your wrestling history and your wrestling background? Let's see. Uh, uh, my very first match was the uh, Cuban Assassin. I wrestled him at the, the uh, first uh, uh, big event for West Virginia Championship Wrestling. It was Spring Break Bash of uh, 2011. It won Match of the Year. I won Feud of the Year with the Cuban Assassin. Uh, I've wrestled over 25 matches, won them all. Uh, my finishing maneuver is the chicken wing. Submission really? maneuver. 
how, how does uh, I know you can't do it on the concrete, but can you show a little like how does that work? The uh, the chicken wing. Do you? Oh, but you, you have to grab the opponent's right arm because they're like on the back of you. Uh -huh. You grab it, whip it around their back, and then grab their chin and then jerk. Wow! So you're undefeated, and that's a submission move. Yes. And do you wrestle other mascots or just uh, normal humans normally? Normal humans. All right, so that's impressive. A talking mascot, an undefeated wrestler. Are there any other uh, life accomplishments that we should know about? Mm, let's see, two-time Appalachian League mascot of the year. There you go. So while you were listening to that, I hope you were imagining a gigantic rooster um listed in the story at six foot three 350 pounds a resident of princeton west virginia and uh roscoe is our first mascot interview on the podcast we're breaking barriers that's what we're here to do break new ground and uh take this uh, medium into uncharted territory uncharted mascot born territory uh the appy league tour continued in bluefield where bowen field hosts the rookie level affiliate of the toronto blue jays the bluefield blue jays and uh ben got a chance to catch up with uh, there are a whole lot of characters like this in the world of minor league baseball bluefield's guy is a man by the name of henry belcher whose nickname is double out and uh, Mr. Belcher here, there are a lot of fans like this that are kind of their own local folk heroes in being sort of the rallying persona for a fan base. But tell us about Double Out Belcher. Yeah, he was the loudest fan I've ever met. Uh, he's called Double Out because that's what he references. That's what he calls a double play. So if the opposition is up and there's a runner on base, you know, he uh, he calls for the double out. And um there's a you know Vine video in my story. I don't know. Are we able to play that one as well? Or? Yeah, we can play that one too. All right. So let's, uh, let's hear, hear from him himself. He's calling the umpire. This is Henry Belcher, a uh, Bluefield Blue Jays fan since uh, the 50s, a resident of the area at every game. And uh, in, in this very short clip, he is calling the umpire a fat rat. Oh man, you can never uh, you can never grow up. It's it's what baseball is for. Double out, fat rat. Also, potato head apparently is a, a chosen a chosen nickname of Henry Double Out Belcher for umpires. Correct? Yeah, and he's a he insults the umpires a lot. Who when I was sitting around Henry, the umpires didn't even seem to be doing anything, <laughs> even re remotely <laughs> offensive. And he has this whole recurring uh, insult line related to like, "Hey, ump, I know you failed." third grade four times like like that's like the insult <laughs> or you failed kindergarten four times because you failed the sandbox like very specific things the sandbox uh, is tough for some of us okay it really was and you know he um you know he's been coming to games since his dad you know he, he grew up he told me in the coal mines in mcdowell county west virginia and uh you know his dad was taking the games in the 50s and uh, he said he became a huge fan of the bluefield who were then the orioles as they were for many years uh, in the late 50s, uh, when Boog Powell was a 17-year-old star there, and he said that uh, Boog was in the stands one day, and I'm not sure why he was in the stands when he was on the team, but um, <laughs> and saw Henry with a Coke and said, that looks good right now, and uh, Henry went and got him one and then took off his hat and said, it's on me, sir. 
and uh, had this moment of uh, connection with Boog Powell, and he says that's what turned him into the baseball freak he still is today. And uh, if you go to a Bluefield Blue Jays game, you will not miss him. Uh, really adds to the atmosphere. I would not recommend sitting near him because the dude is relentless. I can see how if you're a season ticket holder, you might just be a little like, ugh, enough. But I love guys like that because they give me something to write about, and they really do add to the personality of a stadium. Boog Powell has a uh, a barbecue stand at Camden Yards, right? We should go because he says uh, double. He outs. says you can, you can ask Boog Powell about this. We should commission yeah. someone in Baltimore to yeah. do that. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, we're going to take a podcast field trip to Baltimore and to ask, ask, ask Boog Powell, Powell about this. to uh, confirm the story that uh, a young boy bought him a Coke yeah. in 1959. And then show him a picture of Belcher. Just say, you, you can you identify him? this young man? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there we go. That's uh, on the to-do list. And uh, we'll just kind of pivot to promos here. Uh, one of the, I, I don't know if it was cooler. It's definitely more one of the most unique I've seen out of this year. The Bowie Bay Sox are changing their names uh, to what? To the Bowie Bay Sox. And, uh, you know, so if you see this in a press release or see it in a tweet, it just says, you know. Look very confusing. <laughs> Bowie Bay Sox changed name to Bowie Bay Sox, or Bowie Bay Sox changed name to Bowie Bay Sox. It's the exact same wording, but you know it is Bowie, Maryland, where the team plays. They're becoming Bowie Bay Sox uh, for one night only, and that is uh, is it this Thursday, I believe, or Friday. is it Friday? Friday, but, yeah. And uh, you know that is a tribute to David Bowie, and you know why why not when you have Bowie in your team name or in your city name, even if it's pronounced differently. You know, have a tribute to one of Rock's uh, greatest, most inspirational and influential icons of all time. And so they're wearing a very, you know, you'd expect it to be bizarre being uh, David Bowie was a uh, fashion icon with uh, made a lot of outlandish choices in minor league baseball. All is nothing of outlandish with the theme jerseys. So they're wearing theme jerseys that are basically completely different on the front and back, but both referencing iconic uh, David Bowie uh, costumes through the years. Uh, the back of the jersey is kind of like a British flag-looking uh, thing, which I believe was a later uh, costume for Bowie, maybe around Earthling or sometime around then. I don't know. I'm not the, the biggest... Uh, the biggest knowledge or most knowledgeable person when it comes to Bowie's uh, sartorial choices, but this is a really cool theme jersey and a really cool way to honor a cultural legend and you know tie it into your own team as well. Bonus for any a Bay Sox player who does the Ziggy Stardust face paint. Yeah, that'd be cool. Hey, I don't know if you can do the eye black. Why can't you just do the all? Yeah, that's you just, true. just make it yeah, even whiter. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Who was that in the NFL? Used to do that John Randall. Played for the Vikings for a long time. You used to just smear. He'd have like big fangs coming down from his eyes. And then I picked the NFL because so, so it's the NFL Bryce that Harper. made him stop. Yeah, Bryce Harper kind of does it. Harper does yeah, a little for bit. For the longest bit. time, just had uh, this big streaks down his cheeks. Yeah, it's like a very uh, it's a gritty baseball thing. Somebody do the Ziggy, do the do the lightning bolt. If it's not actually called a lightning bolt, I don't know. Last week I made reference to Pokemon Go in a somewhat disparaging way, and the natives were not happy with that. So my apologies to the Pokemon Go community. Um, but uh, yeah, somebody, somebody with the Bay Sox, both spelled B O W I E, somebody with the Bowie Bay Sox this weekend. Go ahead and give that a shot. That's coming up on Friday. Uh, All of those mere appetizers to the main course this week, which is something we've been really excited to talk about for a few weeks, and now the cat is officially out of the bag and we get to talk about it. Uh, Last year, 
the, as Ben describes him, magnificent Sean Kane came up with a fantastic logo for Ben's Biz. And that logo is now something that you can wear for yourself. Ben, give us all the details. Yeah, you know, I, I through doing this job and wanting, uh, you know, people to identify me and read my stuff and keep the audience growing, um, you know, that's sometimes at odds with my natural disposition of kind of an introverted person. And so I always feel super proud and yet profoundly awkward when this kind of thing comes about. But I made it come about, and it has happened, and there is now me on a T-shirt. The Ben's Biz logo is on a T-shirt, and it's made by Retro Brand. It's a really soft, comfortable, well-fitting T-shirt. Yeah, and that's you, one of my favorite brands of uh, the original Retro Brand stuff. Everything they make is awesome. Yeah, it's really good stuff, and it's got the logo, as, I, as, as Tyler mentioned, created by Sean Kane. Uh, you know, front and center on the T-shirt. So if you've ever wanted my face on your body, now is your chance. <laughs> um, you know, there are not too many for sale because I don't really know what to expect in terms of um, what the demand for this is going to be. And as I tried to make clear in the post, I, you know, this is not a money-making endeavor, and I'm not trying to, you know, transcend my humble roots as a writer. But you know, it, what I, I do and the the niche I have is is uh, I'm glad that a lot of people find it interesting. But I still feel there's always room to grow and I, anything I can do to kind of promote the brand and promote uh, the exploring America through uh, minor league baseball concept is something I want to do. And yeah, I do have to admit, I take some pride in that. Now you can go to the, the Milb store, the Milb store, you know, where you can buy all manner of minor league merchandise, type in Ben's biz. And uh, there it is, uh, $20. And a uh, portion of the proceeds do go to minor league baseball charities that help, helps with all sort of things, um, you know, disaster relief and uh, youth baseball and youth sports um, initiatives and all sorts of things within uh, minor league communities nationwide. And um, yeah, so I'm excited about it. And if you do get a Ben's Biz t-shirt, uh, please send me, a, send me a picture, tweet it uh, that you're wearing it. I want to build a, continue to build this improbable legion of supporters I have who uh, I meet at the ballparks and uh, whose company I really enjoy and whose uh, continual readership I, I am deeply appreciative of. So if you uh, want to continue to support and uh, maybe spread the word a little bit and uh, want a comfortable T-shirt with my face on it, I would be truly honored if you would buy one. Just real quick and before uh, before Sam jumps in here, I just want to point out there's a couple of pictures of Ben on the blog post right now. Three observations. One, Ben looking very fit. Two, uh, oh, the haircut, which I haven't seen in quite some time. The hair looks terrific. Three, yeah, I got that haircut in Johnson City at a kind of hipster ah, okay. C.S. McCullough's. They did a great job. Thanks yeah, to Johnson it is a good City uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau for hooking that up. They, they, I was treated like a like royalty in Johnson City. What is a hipster barbershop? Well, it's what I would be living in Brooklyn. You know, that's what I would call the sort of barbershop that is, um, you know, where the barbers have you know tattoos and yeah. mustaches, oh, okay. and you can get a beard, and it's vintage equipment. They shave you, you with the one, you get the one beard. blade. You can get a beer. Yeah, and there's you know dark. Artboards and it's very consciously kind of rustic and old fashioned, yeah. but you know, filtered through 21st century urban sensibilities. And it's funny because when I'm in New York as a New York resident and I see a place like that, I'm just like, ugh, uh, hipsters. But when I leave New York and go to a minor league town with something like that, I'm like, this is awesome. You know, not just the barbershops, but you know, bars and restaurants. And I appreciate it more when I'm not in New York City and kind of inundated with it. Uh, but I did get a fresh cuts. Go to C.S. McCullough's in uh, Johnson City for all your haircutting needs. They did a fantastic job. They really did. And um, yeah, so yeah, I'm trying to look fresh these days, you know, go to the gym. I said I was going to be the most in shape minor league baseball writer of all time uh, going into the season, and I'm not sure if that's true. 
Um, but you got me hey. beat. Maybe. I mean, I think Sam's more in shape than me, and he's a minor league baseball writer. So, so already I'm losing this battle. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you can get a shirt. You can get a shirt. And another aspect is there's a not a secret, but a special not for sale Ben's Biz T-shirt. Yeah, this is really cool. Only for designated eaters, um, as many people know, and many people don't. Uh, every time I visit a ballpark, uh, I do a post highlighting the food. And um, that post features a designated eater trying all the food. And the, the reason that came about is because I got diagnosed with celiac disease and had to go gluten-free and can't eat a lot of ballpark food anymore and was tired of me being featured anyway all the time. So always appreciate the designated eaters and meeting people around the country who volunteer to be designated eaters. From now on, uh, when I go on a road trip, starting with my next one, August 1st in Sacramento is when it kicks off. All designated eaters will get the designated eater only Ben's Biz Designated Eater shirt, and it's got a special uh, Designated Eater logo, and I hope just people get a kick out of that, and um, it's something that I hope people wear or at least think of as a fun souvenir from a bizarre and uh, hopefully memorable and fun night at the ballpark. So are you just going to bring these with you and like get orders ahead of time and that kind of thing? or what? Yeah, I have a couple dozen of the Designated Eaters and uh, T-shirts, and uh, I'll ask my Designated Eaters who... Uh, I already have signed up for this trip. I'll ask before I leave what their T-shirt size is and pack them along with the rest of my stuff. Uh, people who have been designated eaters in the past, going back to 2012, uh, it's an extremely busy time of year. But in the off season, I will try to, to you know anyone who gets in touch with me and says, "Hey, I did that and I'd love the shirt." I will try to hook people up. Um, you know, once things slow down and I have time to, to do those sort of things. Um, but yes, there's a designated eater not for sale shirt, and if you just want the general logo shirt, check it out in the Milb store. Just Google Milb store. Um, whatever the URL is, uh, I should know that. I'm not a very good pitchman, but you can find it, and you can read the post on my blog where, where there's plenty of links to the Ben's Biz t-shirt. And my blog is bensbiz.mlblogs.com, or you can just Google Ben's Biz. You know where to find me, and uh, please get in touch, and uh, let's keep this train rolling. It is, in fact, milbstore.com. You can go find the shirt there. Also, my last observation from the photos, I love in true New York fashion how outside of the, the palatial uh, Milb estate in Chelsea Market, there behind Ben are two cars on the same side of the street going southbound. And what would that be, like Ninth Avenue? They're like perpendicular to each other, which is just like, to me, the perfect little microcosmic shot of New York traffic right behind you. There's one taxi facing the light, and there's one that just appears to be ready to drive uh, like directly onto the sidewalk. And I really like that about that. There's no respect for the modeling of Ben's Biz shirts in this world today, is what I'm trying to say. No, the city goes on. You know, you you, you can't you can't ask <laughs> anyone to stop the city. It waits for nothing. <laughs> and yeah, that picture was taken just outside of Milb headquarters, in front of the Chelsea Market, seventy five Ninth Avenue. Now New the York paparazzi city. knows. You want yeah, to come, shot vi- yeah. Yeah. come visit Sam, us. Any of them, just hang out there. You'll get a shot. Heading out to grab food or model T-shirts. That's what happens. Ben's on Twitter. He's at Ben's Biz, and you can check out the blog where you can find info on the shirts and more, bensbiz.mlblogs.com. And the shirt is available right now, milbstore, milbstore.com. Search Ben's Biz there. And, uh, you know, one of these days, we'll kick that can down the road for the podcast, too, maybe. And we'll start trying to dream up some sweet show before the show T-shirts with, uh, you know, Ben's face slapped on that, too, just because that's what we know sells now. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i think sales so are uh i think in the single digits right now but getting in the high <laughs> single digits and uh i would i would be honored to be featured as part of the show before the show podcast that would have your guys faces real big and then i would just be like uh kind of like pluto orbiting very much in the distance there are uh, three o's in the show before the show we could just make the o's a face 
no. This there is it's all coming together. This is all coming together live on air. You people are behind the looking glass. Through the looking glass. Behind the curtain. Whatever. <laughs> talk to you next week, Ben. Hey, I'll talk to you too. David Dahl and Benjamin Hill are two guests this week. David Dahl's on Twitter. He is at ddahl21. Big thanks to David. Um, and, uh, again, you can keep following the ridiculous start he's had to his AAA season uh, on MILB.TV. Big thanks to Ben as well. He is at Ben's Biz on Twitter. And that leads us just so splendidly into uh, our picks this week for watching on Mild TV. Sam, what do you got? Yeah, so you mentioned David Dahl. Why not get a chance to watch David Dahl? His isotopes this weekend are traveling to Fresno, uh, who we know has a pretty good lineup itself, led by Alex Bregman. Uh, One thing to watch out with Bregman, they have been playing him a little bit at third base uh, starting this week. So if you are an Astros fan who wants to see, can this guy actually handle the hot corner? Well, you'll get your chance maybe to see that this weekend, uh, while also tuning in to see David Dahl, which will be a, a twofer. So, you know, those are two top prospects playing in the same game. Um, that, that should be a fun one. I think they're playing both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so if you get a chance this weekend, that, that would be the game that, that I would tune into. What about for you, Tyler? This would be the game that I would tune into if everything continues as it is right now. On Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock Eastern time, top prospect in all of baseball, not just Washington Nationals prospect, Lucas Giolito will make his second appearance for the AAA Syracuse Chiefs. Um, that is a scheduled matchup with the Rochester Red Wings coming up at 105 Eastern time on Sunday. But that does line up with a spot uh, in the Washington Nationals rotation that may need somebody to fill it as well. Obviously, Lucas Giolito made his Major League debut a couple of weeks ago. He could be the guy to fill that. So if he gets the call, eh, he's not going to be on MILB TV. But if he is, check it out because Lucas Giolito, more than certainly worth the hype. Yeah, I feel like if you're, if you're a Nationals fan, you'll know where he's going to be. So if, if he's in Syracuse, that's always uh one to watch and after he had a pretty good successful debut you'll uh have to see if he carries that into that next start with the chiefs yeah last time out six innings of scoreless ball six and two-thirds actually uh allowed one unearned run so the era is at zero struck out seven and walked two very good at baseball as lucas giolito and uh that will do it for this week's edition of the show before the show podcast again you can get in touch with us podcast at milb.com tweet at sam he's at sam dykes or milb tweet all of your hottest pokemon go takes at me i am at tyler <laughs> On, and uh, you can check out Ben's Biz and the T-shirts at milbstore.com, and the blog is bensbiz.mlblogs.com as well. And head on over to iTunes to give us a rating and a review and a subscription and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy uh, the last full week of games before the trade deadline, and then who knows, all hell could be breaking loose for your team and your favorite prospects. So enjoy them all while you can, because things get a little bit nuts uh, from time to time as we approach the end of the month of July. But we'll be there to talk you all the way through it. Have no fear. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 